In the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Merry Christmas. So glad to see all of you here tonight. I wonder if you have had a chance sometime this holiday season to watch on YouTube or some other online video place videos of children opening presents on Christmas morning. They are hilarious. I love why they just get so excited. Uh, They run around screaming. They just can't believe they've gotten the thing they've gotten. It is so uh, adorable. It's so cute, really, to watch materialism take hold. And it's just, um, (laughs) but uh, it is is really uh, amazing to see just the joy uh, of a child. And I wonder, uh, you know, for you, what gets you excited like that? What gets you excited? Maybe in your Maturity, you're not uh, going to run around the house screaming like some of those kids, but, but what gets you excited? Uh, will there be a gift tomorrow that gets you excited like that? Or maybe more to the point, will the announcement of the Savior's birth get you excited like that? The angels appeared to the shepherds in the field, and, and the shepherds screamed. It was probably a little different than the kids in the video, at least at, at first. They, uh, they were sore afraid, the scripture says. They, and, and I guess so. You know, I mean, they, um, they were filled with fear. They, they, for generations, had been out there in the, in, the, in the dark. They were not afraid of the dark, but all of a sudden, an apparition of light appears to them and makes a proclamation. I imagine that was pretty scary. Uh, but... Uh, the angel addressed the fear right off and said, Do not fear. Do not fear, for I bring you good news of great joy for all people. Good news of great joy for all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Now, these were shepherds. Not theologians. Not the cultural elite. They were presumably uneducated, working men, tangentially religious at best. They they were not well thought of in society. Uh, They did not spend their time pondering God or studying the Scriptures or waiting for the Messiah. Their jobs were not intellectually or spiritually challenging. They were mundane and routine in the extreme. And yet, isn't it remarkable that these are the ones that God chose to first receive the most amazing announcement that there has ever been? And it is what the angels said to them that woke them up, that got them moving, that got them excited. Now, I imagine the angel himself made quite an appearance, quite an impression. And I just would love to have been there to see the the appearance of the heavenly host singing Gloria would bring a tear to any eye. But it was the angel's message. It was what the angel said 
to the shepherds that made the difference. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And the shepherds' initial fear was replaced by joy. And with a compulsion to leave the darkness on the hillside, leave the mundane, leave the life they knew, and go searching for this Savior. These hardened men left their sheep, left their livelihood, and they went to find a newborn baby. Think how crazy that is. And yet it was the message of the angel that amazed them, that transformed them, that melted their hearts. And when they found him, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in the manger, when they found him, they told everyone there what they had heard from the angel about the baby. And those people were astonished, amazed, Our translation that we have, it it says that they wondered at what the shepherd said. And and that comes off a a little tame to us, doesn't it? I mean, when we say, oh, I wonder about that, we we kind of think, huh. But these guys weren't like mildly puzzled over this. This means wonder in the sense of like awe and wonder. Wonderful. They were amazed. They were excited. (laughs) They were overjoyed. They were like the kids on the videos. A Savior was born. Their Savior was born. And this is the message of Christmas. This was the message of the angel. That the one and only God who made the heavens and the earth and everything that is, that He bound Himself to human biology That he gave himself cells and genes, flesh and bones. Now he did not cease to be fully God. His divinity was not diluted. But he became fully human. He created himself into the womb of the virgin. He came for a purpose. He came to redeem fallen humanity. He came to save His people from their sin and to reconcile us to Himself. That's the Gospel. That's the good news of great joy for all people. It was the message to the shepherds and it's the message for us tonight. Now the shepherds were astonished. They were amazed. They were overjoyed. Are we? Are we? Actually, I think that we hear this. and It's so familiar to us. It sometimes just kind of gets thrown in the holiday blender. You know, with Bing Crosby and Eggnog and Mariah Carey and Amazon Prime and, and, and you know, the elf on the dadgum shelf and um, you know this this serene story this ancient story of a, of a baby born to a virgin among livestock among amidst the the adoration of angels and shepherds it just is it's hardly loud enough to grab our attention in the midst 
of all those other things. But the shepherds heard it and it grabbed their attention. They were full of wonder and awe. And they left glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and heard. The message was not lost for them in the cares of life or in the hustle and bustle. In one fell swoop, they woke up to both their need for a Savior and the reality that their Savior had come. And I wonder, what sort of self-awareness is required of us for this message to astonish us like it astonished the shepherds? What needs to be cleared away in our lives or laid bare in order that we might leave here tonight glorifying and praising God, not merely satisfied with quaint tradition? I think in order for us to have In order for us to to be astonished at the announcement that we have a Savior, we first need to be convinced that we need a Savior. Now, I don't know what you came in here with tonight. If you came in with guilt or loneliness or despair or fear or sadness or anxiety or addiction or hopelessness, or frustration, or disgust, or disappointment, or exhaustion. And of course, I could just go on and on. I don't know what you came in here with tonight, but what I do know is that our cultural instinct and our our culture's preferred narrative is to tell us that we should convince ourselves that it's not that bad. Really. To get as far away from the pain as you can. To forgive yourself. Put on a happy face. Gain a little perspective. Speak words of affirmation to yourself. Practice gratitude. Take a deep breath, etc., etc. And let me say this. These things can be helpful. Sometimes they can be really healthy. But they are rarely healing. And that's what we need. We need healing. I mean, these things can cover up the pain or or redirect the anxiety for a time, but it usually comes out sideways eventually. I mean, someone says something totally innocently at the family Christmas dinner, and it triggers something that's been bottled up for 10 years, and that's the end of dinner, right? Or someone posts about their perfect, happy-looking family on Facebook, and all we feel is sadness and resentment, but we put on the happy face and hit like. <laughs> and we go through life like this, right? And, we, and we, we don't really even know sometimes that there's an alternative, so we, we're so used to it that it's, it's just normal. And we can explain those things away all we want and cover them up all we want. But these things tell us that we need a Savior. We need healing and the world needs healing. And we can't heal ourselves. But Christmas proclaims 
that God came to be our Savior. He came to heal the broken and the brokenhearted. Do you ever stop to wonder why He came the way He did? I mean, is that, if you were God, would you come like that? Like a baby? And wouldn't you come, wouldn't you show up on a white horse as an adult? Like you could do something about it? Or, you know, snap your divine fingers and just make everything okay? Why did God come like He did? In 1961, the Russians put the first man into space. And the Russian premier at the time, Nikita Khrushchev, uh, said that this had proved, they had proved that there was no God because the cosmonaut had gone up into the heavens and did not see God. And so surely there was not a God. And in response to this statement of Khrushchev, C.S. Lewis, the great Oxford professor, author of the Chronicles of Narnia, he wrote an article And the article was called The Seeing Eye. And this is what C.S. Lewis said. He said, We do not relate to God the way someone on the first floor relates to someone on the second floor. We relate to God the way that Hamlet relates to Shakespeare. See, Shakespeare is the creator of Hamlet's world and the creator of Hamlet himself. And if Hamlet, therefore, is to know anything about Shakespeare, the great author has to reveal himself by writing himself into the script. And Christmas says that God Almighty is not a God who is far off, not a God who is removed, not a God who is unrelatable, who would just snap his fingers and not get dirty. Christmas says that God revealed Himself to His creation by writing Himself into the play. Christmas says He is totally relatable. That He was born into the world in order to save the world. You know, Christianity is actually unique among all the the world's religions in making this claim. In fact, that this claim is, would be offensive to many of those religions. That, that God came Himself among the brokenness of human experience. Came to experience it Himself in order to redeem it. But that's the claim of Christianity. That's the claim of Christmas. God came for you. You say that you're lonely. Jesus was deserted by His friends in His most desperate hour. You say that you're in despair. Well, Jesus sweat blood over what was about to happen to Him. You say that you're frustrated with the way things are. Well, Jesus was endlessly frustrated with the way of the world around Him. You say that you are burdened by guilt or by shame, Jesus came to take all of that upon Himself. You say that you're addicted. Jesus came to fill the hole in your heart that that addiction is trying to fill. You say that you feel far from God. Jesus cried out from the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, whatever you've brought with you in here tonight, Jesus knows. He has experienced it. He is totally relatable. He has written Himself into the story and He has written Himself into your story. 
Behold, he is the good news of great joy that is for all people and who is for you. He knows. He understands. He is the answer. That's why he came. That's why God Almighty came for you. Now there is a word that used to be used often to describe this God, this action of God coming to us, but it's not a word that's used much anymore because the way that we use the word has changed. And that word is condescend. You know that when we use that word in our society today, that that is, it has a pretty negative connotation, right? If someone speaks in a way that is haughty or uh, with a rude air of superiority, they, they speak in a way that is condescending. And we don't want that. We want to avoid that. But there's another sense that this word has. It's about the third definition down if you were to look it up. And in fact, it's a gracious sense of the word. Condescension in this sense is when someone who is in fact superior in some sense puts aside that superiority willingly and assumes equality. You can picture a wealthy and mighty king who is being driven through cobblestone streets in a very fine horse-drawn carriage. And he and his family with him are bundled up in the finest fabrics and furs because it is a very cold and snowy day. And unexpectedly, the king calls for the carriage to be stopped. And he comes down out of this very finely appointed carriage in his expensive fur cape. He approaches a poor beggar on the streets, one of his subjects. The beggar is wearing tatters and and shivering in the cold. And the beggar is very fearful. He's trembling before the king. He, He knows what's about to happen because in his hand he's holding a loaf of bread that he has stolen in order to feed his family. He is sure that somehow the king has found him out and he has come to judge him. But with the kind smile, the king bends down and takes off his own cape and wraps it around this shivering beggar so that he can be warm. The king has condescended to the beggar. There's no haughtiness. There's no air of superiority, though there rightly could be. The king has come down with love and kindness and personal sacrifice has shared his warmth with one who needed it but who could not provide that warmth for himself. In this sense of the word, Christmas is the condescension of God to us. And it is exciting. (laughs) It's exciting. Because no matter where you have been, no matter what you have done, you need a Savior and you have one. You have one. God is not far off. He has come near to forgive and to reconcile. Peace on earth and mercy mild God and sinners reconcile. He's written Himself into the story in order to know you and to be known by you. 
He is the good news of great joy for all the people. He is the Savior. He is Christ the Lord. Now listen, I hope you get great presents tomorrow. But I pray that nothing captures our hearts and excites us like the coming of our Savior. Amen.